0: Workplace surveillance could very well mean that there's a shortage of the hot new Christmas toy. Welcome to the Knock-On Effect. This is the knock-on effect, where we start with a thing you know and end up in a strange place. I'm Justine Underhill, and joining us is Alex Rosenberg. Hello. And today we are going to start in the world of workplace surveillance. Mm.
1: It feels like we're in an FBI. Uh, it feels like we're in like an FBI van, like spying on someone right now. You got those headphones in. We got these weird microphones. This.
0: It's a very tight space as well. We're yeah. kind of in a like a little cubby. Area? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it feels like we're surveilling. yeah. Yes.
1: Instead, we're being surveilled.
0: <laughs> yes, you are listening you to us instead. Uh, now, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> just to
1: clarify the people that we were listening to them. Like.
0: <laughs> no. No, it is. In fact, you are listening to yes. us. Uh, now, it's interesting because, I mean, it kind of makes sense what's going on with workplace surveillance. It's becoming more prevalent. And that's because technology is advancing. Um, that's just sort of what happens as it becomes easier um, to surveil people, it happens. We
1: don't do a lot of, you know. I made a I made a joke about, it, but we don't do a lot of surveillance here. at Real Vision, like when I was at, CNBC- I hope not. <laughs> so far as I know, when I was at CNBC, we used to beep in, beep out. Um, you know, there are a lot of companies where they're they're watching what you're what you're doing on your computer.
0: I always wonder about that. I always wonder. There are times, you know, it's like if you're on your work computer and you think, oh, I need to buy that on Amazon. And then you buy that on Amazon, you know, does your employer know? And if I'm an employer, I kind of understand that desire to yeah. know what employees are doing.
1: Well, there's that scene in billions where where uh, where the, the the new fund manager is like, all right, let, let me see everything that he was searching for today, I'd like to find out his portfolio idea.
0: That always freaks me out. I will say if you're an employer and you're considering doing workplace surveillance. I think it would lead to employees that are a little bit less happy or content. Like, if I knew that I was being surveilled, I think I would be a little bit less. Happy.
1: Yeah, but you're not supposed to know you're reading Ah,
0: so, it's, well, okay, so I have some examples all of right. workplace surveillance. So one of them is, I mean, I don't know if this is much of a surprise, but Amazon actually developed wristbands uh, to track warehouse workers and all their hand movements as they fill in ship orders mm-hmm, okay. to make sure that they don't, I guess, steal anything. But that's, that does seem a little excessive. Yeah. Um,
1: if they st- how, Yeah, it's just tracking. I, I'm not sure. It's probably how much work they're doing.
0: Oh, that's too. Okay.
1: They steal something. It doesn't look like similar to another.
0: Yeah, lifting a package up and putting it down. Um, well, then there are other companies that have implemented uh, software. There's a software called Work Smart, and it takes frequent uh, screenshots of employees' computer screens um, and gives employers a, a focus score and an intensity score of their employees. It also like will pop up something on the screen and ask them to solve like I think it's similar to like a math problem to see how how engaged they are. Yeah, that, that seems a little... Why? I don't know. Just maybe you're falling asleep at your computer. I don't know.
1: So, so you need to be distracted in the middle of the day?
0: Oh, yeah. That is, that is kind in of the, a distraction.
1: Uh, you're trying to do some work. All of a sudden, you're asked to find the square root of
0: 349. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of terrible. Well, my favorite is that at another company, employees actually volunteered to get microchipped in their hands. Would you do that? Get microchipped? So basically no. what it would be is these employees can now enter the building, log into their computers.
1: I can already do that.
0: Get chips from the vending machine just with a swipe of their hand. I don't need chips. You don't need chips.
1: Okay. I don't need chips. I would not do that. That's yeah. incredibly creepy and horrifying. Yeah. Why well, would it's you, sort of. Would you do that?
0: No. It's it's convenience, though. So it's we're starting to see what people it's are doing really. for convenience. It's not really.
1: I mean, convenient, con- convenient is like, you know, it, a retina scan might be convenient. where you can just look at the thing, and then it lets you into the building. Mm-hmm. Putting something in your arm—you have to, you have to be buying a lot of chips before. <laughs> you know, the, the, there's like a convenience inconvenience thing. Like, yeah. Also, if you switch jobs, what well, you get,
0: you gotta get it taken out. I wonder if it would be possible to hack those things too. Oh, like you could like, take over someone's like oh, information. I don't know. Well, ah. and then the most important one, at least the most important one for our story today, in terms of tracking devices, are Electronic logging devices or ELDs. Mm. So this is a, a newish mandate um, in the trucking industry specifically, which basically tracks truck movements. I wonder if truckers listen to a lot of podcasts. If
1: I was a trucker, I'd
0: Ah, be, they'd be, yeah, maybe. You maybe know, if
1: you're truck if you're listening to this while driving a truck, let us know. Please write to us. Podcast at realvision.com.
0: Yeah, we'd love to hear. Well, so why and this has been such a big issue in the trucking industry, these ELDs. Um, to fully understand that, we need to go back to the 1930s. So we're going to do a little time. All right. What, you want our time warp music? Uh, yeah. Something like that. Anyway, we were back in 1935, and guess what was happening?
1: The Great Depression.
0: Uh, well, the federal government was uh, starting to regulate trucking. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So basically what they did was they created uh, a— My thing's still right. Yeah. Well, okay. But they were also doing this. The rise of Hitler. (laughs) Yeah. So they were um, implementing—the federal government was implementing a system of laws, and these were fairly— Byzantine laws. I mean, it's a really complex, bizarre structure of trucking laws that were implemented. Uh one of them implemented um limited the number of new entrants into the trucking industry. That almost makes me think of what's happening with like Uber in certain cities. Mm. Like their limited number of right. of entrants. Um companies had to file their rates 30 days before they came into effect. And then uh the government could say these rates are too low. You can't implement those rates. So there was actually very little control from company to company over the rates that they had. And then companies were also granted the authority to operate on certain routes. Um, And truckers, if they wanted to access another route, had to buy them from each other. So it created this kind of interesting marketplace that's really worth looking into. So, for example, if I were driving from L.A. to Portland and I was driving a whole bunch of, I don't know, Styrofoam or something, some products, I don't know.
1: Was Styrofoam invented at the time?
0: Ah, um. That's a good question. Uh, I I was driving a whole bunch of, um, I don't know, I'm just looking at things, door handles. I'm just looking at things that are in the room around us. Um, And so I'm I'm driving those. um, I might not be able to bring anything on the route back because maybe I had um, the ability to drive things along the route from L.A. to Portland, but going back from Portland to L.A., I might not have the rights to drive Mm. um, any goods along that route. Um, And so by the 1970s, truckers were buying routes from each other for hundreds of thousands of dollars. What was the
1: most valuable route?
0: Ah, that's a good question. Well, if you want to find out more, Thomas Gale Moore of Stanford University's Hoover Institution writes all about this. Okay. So yeah, I would be curious to know which route was the most valuable. It makes me think of some of those games um, where you like buy routes. It's kind of like that game, uh, Ticket to Ride. You don't know No one name? knows who you're talking okay. no, there one, really, no one knows. No it's a really right fun game. Okay. Um, but anyway, in, in that game, you kind of you buy, you buy roots or you collect cards to get roots. And some roots are more valuable than others. But on top of that, um, some products were regulated and others were not in terms of what could travel along certain routes. Um, And that led to this weird imbalance of prices. So goods that were exempt from regulation uh, were transported at rates that were significantly lower than similar products that were regulated. So, for example, um, let's say I'm still going from L.A. to Portland, um, rates for cooked poultry were 50% higher than rates for freshly dressed poultry. And that's because— Rates for cooked poultry were regulated, whereas routes, um if I'm transporting freshly dressed poultry were not.
1: Who made? Who, who's making these regulations? This is all the seems like there's there could be a lot of, uh, you know, fudge room. Yeah, a lot of fudge room, a lot of lobbying, a lot of uh, yeah. You know, I mean, the the mafia has been very involved in the in the trucking industry. That's yeah, famous. that's right. And I think it was in 2008 there was a huge. Crackdown of the Gambino crime family uh, in the which is heavily involved in the trucking industry. Huh.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I did. I actually did not come yeah. across that in all the research I was doing, um, but I am not surprised. Um, I mean, it's just sort of this bizarre. Just, I mean, anytime you have something that's su- heavily regulated or heavily um, supervised, it's a very good opportunity for the mob to get in on yes. it. Um, and guess what? Um, Basically, you had all these crazy regulations that were instituted in 1935. Um, They lasted for quite a while. Um, And and in some ways, you can think of all these regulations, and probably because of the regulations, it made trucking a very well-paid blue-collar job. Um, This is something that if you didn't have a college education, Mm -hmm. it was something that you could do and you could get a pretty good paycheck from it. But that did not last. Um, And so these rules, this whole system of rules, came to an end in the 1980s when President Jimmy Carter signed the Motor Carrier Act. Specifically, 1980, um, we got the Motor Carrier Act. And most notably, it allowed trucking companies to open with relative ease. So you didn't have those restrictions limiting the number of trucking companies and removed many of those route regulations. Um, And companies also had more control over the rates that they charged. And so, as you would expect, with any sort of deregulation came a big floodgates. They opened for new companies. So, between 1980 and 1990, the number of trucking firms doubled. Mm. And that sort of leads us to where we are today. Um, but I do want to make a few notes about what happened when those floodgates opened. So, um, Steve Vasselli, he's the author of the book The Big Rig. Okay. He describes uh, what happened as, a uh, quote, Destructive competition. It was competition so severe that it undermines profitability to the point that it causes underinvestment by firms, industry-wide inefficiency, market instability, and poor service quality. So basically you went from an area or period of time where it was highly regulated. Mm -hmm. You opened the floodgates. A whole bunch of new companies came in. There was such severe competition. um, And then prices dropped drastically.
1: Well, that but that's so so not great for for truckers, right? Uh, but but good for every. I mean, everything comes in a truck, so it means
0: yeah, that's a nice tagline. Everything comes in a truck. It
1: comes in a truck. That's what they say.
0: Yeah, that should be like their motto.
1: Yeah, and so so it means that the more you pay for the for the truck, the the more you pay for everything. I mean, uh, you know that, that that doorknob just got a lot uh, cheaper. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, I, I see why deregulation could have been uh, could have been a good thing for the, for the for the United States.
0: Well, it was a good thing for maybe some of those products. So for your um, poultry products that you might have been buying, um, maybe that got a little bit cheaper. Yeah. But on the other Chicken hand, in every pot. Yes. On the other hand, um, from and night. And a
1: truck in every garage. <laughs>
0: Okay, I don't know about these taglines anymore. <laughs> you know
1: uh, yeah, so you never, I uh, got it all right, all right.
0: now it was a, it was a good joke. as this was happening yes. um, and so while it might have been better for the people buying chickens in some ways, it was pretty bad for the people driving the trucks. Okay. So from 1982 but,
1: but, t- I'm sorry to interrupt again, but but me, me more people got to drive trucks.
0: Yeah, so it did open that up. It's interesting though to see how it was a well-paying um, blue- collar job. Right. It's now not such a well-paying blue-collar job. So from 1982 to today, median trucking wages hmm. have sunk as much as 35 percent in some metropolitan areas. Wow! Yeah, uh, so that's quite a bit yeah, of depreciation there. And I do want to mention as a side note, so deregulation and the plummet in trucking costs – is actually credited with the rise of of big box stores like Walmart, um, and also a lot of e commerce companies, um, because this just allowed for cheap and easy shipments. Um, it's also credited with the decline of mom and pop.
1: So, so, so I, I want to stick on that point for a second. Sure. So, so, explain to us what that means, because mom and pop store gets soap delivered, the Walmart gets soap delivered. You know, they both probably got there on a truck. Right. Why is it? Why is lower prices better for Walmart?
0: Well, Walmart does a lot of these things en masse. So they just have a completely different setup and warehousing system than the mom-and-pop store does. And so Walmart, because of decreased trucking costs, was able to get a lot of these items en masse, uh, was able to warehouse them. Um, so basically buy in bulk, warehouse, mm-hmm. and then offer products for a lot cheaper than, let's say, your— Mom and pop store would do, and because the smaller stores just weren't buying products um, in as great a quantity hmm. as as Walmart was. And then, of course, you have e-commerce, which has exploded because of these cheap uh, shipping costs as well. Hmm. Um, and you know, sending something by truck is just not as expensive as it as it used to be. Hmm. But it's interesting because what's been happening is that. Trucking isn't as desirable a job anymore because it's you don't make as much money. The, the wages have gone down. You've had that insane competition there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people have left the industry, actually gone into construction and energy work. Those are the two sectors okay. where a lot the jobs have gone. And so that phenomenon, coupled with uh, the surge in online shopping, means that we're at that inflection point right now where there's an unprecedented shortage of truckers. So if you think about it trucking mm. has got like the wages have gotten so cheap because right. of competition. Right. People have been moving into other industries. You've had a okay. surge in online shopping. And so um right now we have a pretty crazy shortage of truckers. 50,000 truckers to be exact are but, needed.
1: But I thought I thought there was there were more truckers now than before. There
0: are more truckers before. now than before, but the demand is even higher and people have been leaving the industry. Okay. And so that's why I'm talking about this sort of inflection point. Um, so almost a million drivers will be needed uh, to be hired in the next decade in order to keep up with demand. Hmm. Um, and so this is sort of like right now we're at this point where, where things are starting to shift but even more important and this gets back to our tracking devices. Um, okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah we got it. We got We got to get them. all the way back. Well I gave you a nice little history and a little background. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into the Electronic Logging Device Mandate. So this went into effect in December, but it wasn't enforced until April of 2018. So So this is brand new. It's brand new. um, And we've only started to make ripples about right now. So this Mm. is when we're starting to see the consequences of it. So the mandate requires that truckers keep an electronic log in their cabins to ensure that they don't drive more than 11 hours per day. Plus, they have an extra three hours for loading and unloading. So, total of 14-hour workday um, and only 11 hours of driving.
1: So, and when you say in their cabin, is this like on an iPad? Or oh, no.
0: So, this is actually something that's attached, um, something that you have to get installed in the engine. Um And wow. so, there's, it's a little bit of a process. I'm pretty serious about it. Oh, yeah. And it, it just tracks how long the truck is idling Trucking. for how long it's going, how far it's driving, all these all this information, and that's just electronically logged. Because before you had these um, paper booklets.
1: Yeah, you, you brought in one for the video uh Yeah,
0: and, and it's funny. I will say I bought this um, trucker's, it's a trucker's log book. Um, I bought it on Amazon. So it's just sort of a little fun point there is that some somebody it probably traveled by truck to get to me. It would
1: be very hard to buy it at a store in New York. You yeah, have I have no idea where I would
0: go get that from trucker um, supply yeah, right. it might exist well so those uh doing it the paper way where you just kind of log your hours um that's a little bit more fudgible. you can kind of shift your hours yeah. a little bit whereas if it's done by the computer that is in your truck there's very little wiggle room um and so what happens though if you do let's say you decide to drive 14 hours and you know or like 15 hours, something that's above what the limit is, Um, you can get points added to your record so all the truckers have basically a something called a csa score and so that then increases your score and the more the higher your score is um you could be put out of service you it could make you subjected to more um and more frequent inspections and so there's all sorts of other consequences that come with that
1: is there one by the way is there one company that's making these that had like a huge bonanza
0: I looked into that. There are actually a bunch of different ELD devices. I um, someone someone's
1: getting rich off of this. Yeah, I bet you. I bet like
0: it's interesting though. There is a way around it. So if you have a truck from with an engine that's before 2000, I don't know who's building or excuse me, who's buying trucks from before 2000, but you don't have to install. You can still use the paper system if your engine is hmm. pre 2000. So that's a way around it. But yeah, um, I tried to buy an ELD to uh, bring here, but they're a little pricey, mm-hmm. um, which is something that uh, truckers have been complaining about. So basically, the effect of all the surveillance is that truck drivers have been simply forced to drive less. Now, they've complained about this in the sense that it ha- they have very little control over their schedules because, you know, maybe I'm a truck driver. Um, I've seen reports of truck drivers who would, you know, drive for um, seven hours. They would go to a load unload station, they and that would take maybe four or five hours for them to load unload, and then they'd continue driving again um, for another seven hours. And but, they would but, they would sleep in that time where the load unload was happening.
1: But just to be clear, like they weren't allowed to do that before.
0: Yeah, they weren't. So they really. can't really
1: complain too loud. Yeah. It, right. Because it.
0: They weren't. They were breaking the rules yeah. before. Yeah, except um...
1: like like either we should have rules or 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 not. Like this is what I always said when I went to high school. We had this rule about, uh, gosh, what was it? It was something about it was something about drinking alcohol, and it was something about like you couldn't. It wasn't that you couldn't drink, mm-hmm. even though we we're in high school and it was illegal. But but <laughs> yeah. I think someone proposed something about like you can't do certain drugs or something. And my argument was because we kind of were. This is the Scars Alter- Scarsdale Alternative School. And we were on the honor system. Okay. Big big uh seating ground for future truckers, by the way. Oh. Scarsdale okay. Alternative School. And we uh w- so so we were on an honor system. And so if you saw anyone breaking a rule, you had to bring them to this like little jury called Fairness, uh, Fairness Committee. Um and so so it was an interesting debate that used to happen around rules because you had to there couldn't be any fudge rule, fudge room after the rule, if, if that makes sense, because then it just weakens your whole rule-based system. Hmm. So, for instance, if you had a rule that no one is allowed to be late and you have to bring someone to fairness committee if they're late, like people would just say, oh, well, he was only two minutes late, but then all the rules get ignored.
0: Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So, So we actually made rules that were not super strict, because then if you saw someone, for instance, like, go to class high, you'd be like, like, we all agree, like, that you shouldn't be allowed to do that. And so we would go, and so then that person would be brought to fairness committee. And so it's kind of, it, it's a debate we used to have around around these rules. Huh. Uh, Is this does this relate at all to what we're talking about?
0: I mean, kind of. It's something that I do think about where it's kind of unfair if you have laws in place or rules in place and then they're not really enforced. So then it basically punishes the people that do follow them. Um, but then on the other hand... The people and it gives too
1: much power to the police, by the way. Yeah. You know, if, if you're like, the speed limit is 50, really it's 60, if we're going to say it's 50, then the police can say, oh. you know, I don't like the look of that, that guy.
0: Yes, exactly. So that, that sort of leaves room for a lot more interpretation. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean... Uh,
1: this is, this is uh, Alexander. I was named after this legal scholar, by the way. Oh. No, Austin. Austin, <laughs> the, the legal scholar who used to say that judges should apply the law strictly... In every case, even if they disagree with it, like even if the law is onerous Oof. to say like, oh, if you, you know, steal a loaf of bread, you should be killed. He would say the judge has to follow that because otherwise um the law won't get changed. And so,
0: so you have to kill the person. Basically, that sounds horrible. Interesting. But, but I understand it's it. an interesting debate. And I will mention that Austin is Alex's middle name ah, for yes. clarification yes, there yes, yes. now. Okay, so getting back to our story, oh, right? Uh Uh, So drivers have been forced to just drive less, basically. Um, And so the fact that we're already seeing a shortage of truckers, um, this new mandate is basically exacerbating that shortage, and it's all happening within a very small time frame, basically since April um, is is the time that we've been seeing this since. Now, this leads to a barrage of knock-on effects, so let's go through them. So number one, first knock-on effect. So, because many truckers are working less, in accordance with the ELD mandate, uh, drivers' salaries are seeing unprecedented jumps. Mm. Um, So, some drivers reported a 15% bump in pay in just a few months. And... um, the share of truck drivers who received wage increases is now at 46% for 2018 versus the 11% that we saw in 2017
1: well yeah i mean also wages have been rising for everybody which so, is nice
0: yeah so that's sort of it's going along with that trend it's more so in the trucking space though i'm with you it's
1: almost like a like a like a little bit of a strike there that it's almost the same effect as a, as a strike you know it's like if you had not come in yes, say, exactly. all right we're all going to stop working at 5
0: you know? right exactly and so it's and it's a hard Um, cut off in in the sense that, you know, if you have um, growing wages, that tends to be something that happens slowly over time. This has been something that's been fairly sharp in this industry. Now, as we were talking about, this is knock on effect number two. So almost every item you have was likely transported by truck. Oh, yeah. Given... Alex's tagline. So, by revenue, trucks transport 82% of items in the U.S. Now, we were talking before, and we were not <laughs> able to figure out what items were not moved by truck in the U.S. And so, I'm thinking, like, maybe something that was transported by, like, f- railroad freight. Yeah, but unless then, they're
1: taking it to the train station. Yeah, they're just, just they're just
0: leaving it at the train don't, station.
1: do you need a, a truck at some point?
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not really I sure mean, about trucks this. Trucks are one.
1: really good at getting to places just because the way we've built this country is very
0: road-based. Right. Well, if if any of you listeners know what's not transported by truck, please let us know. So, it is now costing retailers, I mean this makes sense, uh, 30% more to ship something via truck um in April of this year than it did last year. Um 30% more is a pretty big jump. Mm. Um, And we've also had a bunch of companies that have been reporting issues. So now we're seeing this trickle into uh, earnings reports and other things. (laughs) So uh, oil driller Halliburton, um, paint maker PPG Industries, Mm -hmm. um, International Paper Co., they've all been reporting uh, bottlenecks in um, trucking and shipping their materials. Meanwhile, Coca-Cola and Hasbro, toy maker, and Procter & Gamble, as well as Nestle, have reported that freight costs – have been increasing dramatically for them. And as trucking expenses climb, those costs are being passed along to retailers and then trickling on down the chain to consumers. So Mm. General Mills um, recently said that uh, they've had to use more expensive on-demand shipping, um, which is just so that they can get their items moved to where they need to be um, because there's such a shortage of of workers and truckers. So that has pushed uh, transport costs up as much as 60% for certain goods. And so to compensate, General Mills is now planning to raise prices on some products and sell some products in smaller packages, Mm. which I I don't know about selling products in smaller packages. It seems like you would come away with less. Well,
1: maybe if you charge the same amount and
0: just take a couple –
1: Take a couple of those Lucky Charms. Out. Is that Lucky Charms? Is that them?
0: General Mills. Yeah, um, I think so.
1: Well, you're the cereal expert. I am the that was two expert. episodes ago.
0: Oh, I should know these things. Yeah, I think they're they're Cheerios. We know that
1: they are. Yeah. All right. So maybe maybe uh, instead of honey nut, it'll just be nut. No. Okay,
0: money. so just yeah, make it a little bit smaller. Yeah. Well, and then we have Tyson Foods, which is the largest meat company in the US by yes. revenue. So they're going to need to spend. They kill
1: billion, tens of billions of chickens a year.
0: Ooh, yum. Weird. So <laughs>
1: weird to think about.
0: So they're going to need to spend an additional $250 million, a quarter of a billion dollars on shipping. This year, that's an additional amount that they have to spend. Um, and that's according to the CEO. Um, he said that that cost is going to be passed along to consumers. Uh, so he said, quote, product prices must reflect the true cost because we cannot subsidize the increased freight. A bit of a tone.
1: Yeah. A bit
0: of a like, uh, okay, all right, yeah, all right, we, buddy. We get it, we like, get it. As a bit as, uh... Well, it, it's interesting to see because, I mean, we talk about, you know, the Fed talks about, like, you know, why is there no inflation and where is inflation? This is mm. actually a way, I mean, in this short period of time where we actually might start to see more inflation, especially in food, because there's been a lot of deflation in food. Yeah. Um, and so maybe here, especially Tyson Foods uh, for, for meat, you might see those costs increasing. So that's our knock-on effect number three. Mm. Specifically, costs will be passed on to the consumer, right. but also your meat. From Tyson might get a little more expensive. And then knock-on effect number three. So as we're talking about uh, subsidizing freight, we have Amazon. Mm. They're going to face some pretty major issues here. So Amazon's own shipping costs jumped 38% year-over-year in the first quarter of 2018. Um, And its sales, though, on the other hand, increased by only 18%. And so this is something that they're going to have to contend with as these shipping costs increase more and more. Amazon uh, cited that those costs are a big reason for the fact that they're boosting or they boosted the price of Amazon Prime membership Mm -hmm. in April. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is only something that's going to become more and more of a problem. And actually, the CFO kind of addressed this. He said, quote, the value of Prime to customers has never been greater Mm. and the cost is also high. As we have pointed out, especially with shipping options and digital benefits, we continue to see rises in cost. There's
1: something very—can I just grab this paper? There's something very old-timey about this quote. The value of primed customers has never been—it's almost like FDR or (laughs) like—and the cost is also high. There's something—
0: yeah, it's a little bit stilted language. <laughs> I <don't laughs> it know, is. Although
1: I must say, like, there are dates, So I get a little email from uh, my building whenever Michelle and I get, like, a package. Uh-huh. I swear to God, like, sometimes we get, like, six or seven packages a day to the point that the doorman will, like, hound us as we as we go up the steps. He's like, you have packages. We're like, oh, uh, we'll get them later. And it's like, he's uh, like, you never. No. Once he called us out, he's like, you guys never get them later. <laughs> just you lying. just
0: leave your stuff down there?
1: I don't know. Eventually we pick it up. There's a whole room. There's oh, a whole- my gosh. Anyway,
0: I don't know, whenever I get a package, I'm very excited about it, and I like to open it immediately.
1: Yeah, but usually it's just like, she gets these clothes that she doesn't wear, and then she sends them back. I don't understand oh, this whole system. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: that's no good. Oh, Amazon fashion. Well, anyway, so that might be coming to an end. Well, at least the subsidized shipping in the same way that we're seeing it now. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, knock-on effect number four, this has an impact on warehousing. So because the... Uh, Retail industry is mostly converted to a just-in-time delivery model. Um, It basically relies on constant new supplies with warehouse space emptying basically as soon as it's uh, filled. Now, Amazon would like to be able to do something like predictive filling rather than reactive filling um, so that they could, you know, stock their warehouses with what you might say is the hot new Christmas toy or whatever the next new popular product is. Um, whatever, fidget spinners or whatever you want. But they can't do that because due to the trucker shortage, they don't have the capacity to do that. So basically their resupply of warehouses is entirely reactive rather than um, predictive. And so this is something, as we're seeing Hmm. going into Christmas of 2018, um, this is a new phenomenon that you might see a little bit more issue as trucker supply is constrained in the next few months. So,
1: so in other words, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to get 10 Furbies or, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. shows Shows how up-to-date I am on the toy market, huh? So instead of getting, you know, I- instead of saying, I'm going to get 10 Furbies, and then I'll, then if those sell out, then I'll get more later, and then I'll get more later, then I'll get more later. Then you just say, ah, I think that roughly people are going to buy like 100 Furbies from my store, and that's how many you'll get. And so you might have some sitting on the shelf where they might just, Fly off and then, and then you're, you're, and then you're
0: out. And you're so out. that's where it's. They'll have to
1: resort to Beanie Babies or whatever the second most popular. Toy
0: wow, toys. you were. This is the last time I played with toys. I don't. It's. I don't. What's the last time you bought a new toy? I buy apps. I feel like apps are kind of like toys. What? No, no they're not. The maybe, apps aren't fun. Apps are. I buy games. That's why.
1: You, what's that, What was that game you said that where you buy the roots? Is ticket,
0: tickets to ride. I actually have. A, I bought that app. It's great. Right. Yeah. So those are my, the games of of my um, generation. I don't know. What? You're part of First my generation. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, um, but in terms of physical toys for Christmas, uh, certainly something that's going to be a little more difficult. And, um, you know, to step back and look at the bigger picture here, um, you know, on the one hand— we're definitely going to see much more tracking devices. And it's interesting to see the implications of this specific tracking device uh, f- for truckers because that has wide, um, far-reaching implications because mm. everything is is carried by truck. Right. Um, but then on the other hand, it's also valuing what truckers do and the amount uh, of goods that are shipped because when I go to buy something and if I see that they're shipping, I oftentimes won't buy it. But it's, it's somehow having people realize the cost of that shipping and what that's worth um, whether that's something you're gonna have to pay for in increased prices of foods or items that you buy so that's going to be baked into the price or it's going to be something that you're gonna have to pay for in another way where you see the line item of you know five dollars for shipping and you pay it
1: well there's also the handling uh, what does this all mean for the handling industry <laughs> That's
0: a very good question
1: <laughs> there's so many has has have handlers Is that also have they also seen price increases.
0: Interesting. Um, you know, it's funny because now I just see shipping. I don't. I don't usually see shipping and handling. I just see shipping. Yeah,
1: now. It, it kind of feels like shipping and handling is only, only if there's a one eight hundred number.
0: Yeah. That's...
1: Um, charge shipping, shipping and handling. So, so let, let, let's let's talk about what uh, I know. I'm I'm always curious about it, but I'm sure a lot of people, in the audience, are curious about it because when you hear about automation, mm. trucking is like literally one of the most obvious candidates for automation because. No offense to our if you're listening to this while driving a truck. Mm. But you kind of just got to get from one place to another and not crash. Like right. there's there's not I mean there's
0: There's a lot more actually. All right, all right. No, all right. I and I do wanna I do wanna highlight there there's a lot more specifically in terms of knowing the best routes. And that's something that could be automated. But then on top of that, it's knowing which suppliers to work with. Cause some um suppliers and some shippers are really, really terrible in terms of loading and unloading. Um, And and so there's all sorts of nuances to trucking.
1: All right, I feel bad now.
0: No. I I, I kind of
1: feel bad. No, because because I don't know anything about trucking, and so...
0: Well, I was was reading a lot about um, what automation's going to do to the industry. Uh, There's an interesting paper um, that came out from UC Berkeley, um, from researchers there. That
1: famous trucking behemoth.
0: Yes, and what they said is that Absolutely, autonomous driving is going to have a huge impact in the trucking industry. Not going to happen this year or next year, but it is something that we're definitely going to see in the next decade. Um, but what was interesting about it is that they said that um, at least in terms of truckers and the jobs associated with that, we're not going to see this mass layoff of, of workers. What's actually going to happen is that a lot of these autonomous vehicles are going to be used for long-haul rides, so things where we go from... LA to DC, so really long, uh, you know, highway drives. Um, but many other freight moving jobs will be created in their place. So right. all those jobs that are lost, others will be created. Perhaps, this is according to the researchers. Perhaps even more than will be lost, but these new jobs will be local driving and last mile delivery jobs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, exactly. I mean, that
1: that's to my point, because that trucking will be disrupted even before, you know, people, t- you know, obviously Uber and, and Uber's the world have an ambition against self-driving, but much easier to do it across I-95 than, than down Fifth Avenue.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, so that's definitely going to be something that we see. In the future, but not in the near term, okay. which is what these knock-on effects focus sure, on. Sure, sure. In it, the near got term it. aspect. I do want to y- – you kind of mentioned something interesting. There is another knock-on effect that we I didn't quite bring bring up, um, which is we're going to have to see a big shift in um, the loading and unloading process. Actually, a few things. So the loading unloading process is actually fairly inefficient f- uh, for a lot of um, truckers. Okay. Um, they'll bring it to a place. They'll bring it to where they're delivering it to. And they could be sitting there for like four hours or more or truck. in the truck just waiting for there. There was one um, one trucker who was bringing steel pipes to a business, okay. um, and he had to sit there for over five hours just to wait for them to do the inspection and then to to unload his truck. And that's that's time that he could. That's, that's a lot of lost revenue for him, or a lot of lost money. Mm. And so, what's now we're going to be seeing because there is such a shortage, um, drivers have become a lot more um, picky about which suppliers they work with. So, a lot of uh, suppliers are going to have to start picking up their act in terms of unloading things from trucks. So that's one thing. Another thing is parking, um, because these mm. drivers have to take uh, regulated um, naps. <laughs> They have to take thirty-minute breaks, and they also have to stop driving at you know certain hours. And a lot of the worker, a lot of the drivers are working during the same hours. Um, truck parking has become really scarce.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. So that's another issue. And then. Um, Final thing is that – this is my theory, though. Yeah. If you see a lot of the Amazon packages, they're packaged so poorly. I know. And so I think Amazon's going to actually have to – there's so much
1: space in the –
0: Yeah, and it's a lot of wasted space. And yeah. so to be more efficient, I think this is going to drive a lot more efficiencies in the business. So I'm actually very hopeful. So hmm. hopefully in the future you won't be getting, you know, what, a, a pencil sharpener inside of a, you know, <laughs> it's like two-foot box. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like we really don't need all this well, anyway, that does it for this week's knock on effect. I, I, th-
1: I think okay. This is very, this has been very interesting. So, yeah. so your thesis, mm-hmm. uh, if I can just get back sure. to the beginning, is that sur- workplace surveillance, in this case mandated by the government, is going to make it. You know, it's going to make it harder for a for you to buy that hottest uh, Christmas toy, the the GI Joe with the kung fu grip. Uh, for instance, because wow, well, I mean, trading places. Come on, uh, so so it's going to make it harder to buy that that GI Joe because it's because they're not going to be able to deliver it just in time like, mm-hmm. like they used to be able to.
0: Exactly, and also all the other knock in effects in terms of wage increases and and worker shortages and whatnot.
1: Now, I wonder if people are going to double team these troops. Like like like, what if you what if you're driving with with a, a buddy? And uh, th- then does the thing know that uh, someone else is driving for a couple hours? Yeah, or?
0: actually, this has become a really popular way to go about doing it. So there are stories about couples getting into the trucking business together. So well, the husband drives, the wife sleeps in the back and in the back. I don't. I don't <laughs> know where she sleeps actually. <laughs> <laughs> they, they made it. They it in
1: the passenger side, right? No, I mean in the back.
0: I swear. At are least there
1: two two rows of? Guys, I know nothing about trucks. I'm just going to admit that okay. right now. Are there two rows? Are there? I thought there was just a front.
0: It, from what it sounded like, there are actually beds. Um, I'm not sure how these people are trucking, but it is worth. Uh, there's a wonderful Wall Street Journal article about couples that truck together. Mm. And um, you
1: know, they say those who truck together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, All right, that's, that's
0: the a good way to end. All right. <laughs> so that does it for this week's Knock on Effect. You can catch us every Thursday at realvision.com slash Knock On Effect.
1: Yes. yes, indeed. And uh, and while you're at Real Vision, make sure to grab your 14-day free trial. You know, uh, just mention, uh, for those of you who may have missed it, an incredible interview that just went up with uh, the one and only Mr. Stanley F. Druckenmiller interviewed by uh, they the also want to know like Kirill Sokolov so that that's a 90 minute conversation they get into you know if you don't know who Drake Miller is he he is really one of the best maybe has the best record in hedge fund management history i mean it's it, it's no joke so uh If you you grab a 14-day free trial, you can can watch that interview on realvision.com and also watch a whole bunch of other stuff.
0: And if you decide to take the plunge and actually sign up for Real Vision, you get a little special treat because right now we are offering a promotion where you get access to Business Insider Prime as well. And that's a value of $99.
1: Yeah, not only that, but we'll throw in shipping and handling free.
0: Ah, very nice. (laughs) All right, well, we'll see you guys next week.